Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Beginning in verse 1, Paul writing to young Timothy says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding, uh, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. And so, Lord, again, this is your word, and we stand before you, even at home, Wherever we are that we're standing, this is your word. Would you bring it to our lives now? Breathe into our lives from your word today that you would speak clearly for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may be seated. So if you've been around long enough, this is our second Sunday without um, having people here. But um, we've been studying through 1 Timothy And we're going to continue our study on Sunday mornings through the New Testament. But one of the things as we're looking at in 1 Timothy is always being reminded of this very thing, why the letter was written. The church was being established in Ephesus. It was being established all over the world. But in Ephesus here, as Paul would write to Timothy, not just being established because Paul had been there, but he's establishing some foundations within the church. And in the 13th verse of the, of, uh, excuse me, the 14th verse of chapter 3, he wrote to them that, hey, I, in case I'm not going to be there, if I'm delayed, in verse 15, he said, uh, I want you to know how you're to conduct yourselves in the house of God. How do you be, you're to behave? How these things are to um, manifest themselves, what the church should look like. Is the church is out there being birthed in the world, what does it look like? You know, every... Every year or two, cars, manufacturers, or you know, automobile manufacturers, they come out with a new model. And this is what it is. And sadly, a lot of times the church follows that. You know, this is a new thing, but the, the instructions were so given to us many years ago that we don't have to become new or relevant or anything like that. We need to be the same. We need to be following the stru- instructions that God has given to us. And so here Paul is telling Timothy, he's telling him, you know, that you're to be a good minister. And I think of that of any pastors, that we're to be a good pastor. We're to be a good shepherd watching over the flock of God. They're not our flock. You know, I always tell the congregation here, you belong to Jesus and how you're handled is very important because he's going to come back one day and one day soon and we're going to have to give an answer. So we're to be good ministers as Timothy's a good minister And we're also to, as as Paul would tell Timothy in verse 6, how he's going to accomplish this. So you're going to be that good minister. I mean, there's a lot of so-called ministers out there. There's a lot of people that might have an app or a web page, songs, a band, 
Bible, they open it up. But you're going to have to be able to tell whether they're good or not. You're going to have to have that discernment. You're going to, you're going to have to have the plumb bob of God's word to know that they're teaching the word and not just from the word, a passage that is coming out and about. And this is what Paul is warning Timothy about. There are many people out there that are teaching many things. And so the first thing we look at as Paul is writing, he's warning not only Timothy, but Timothy's going to expound on this to the church. And so as the church would be gathered, they would be reading this letter. They don't have their, they didn't have the privileges that we have today of using the technology. But we have this warning that's going on, something of great importance that Paul wants the church to know. And it's not Paul, it's, it's really the Holy Spirit through Paul that is saying, you know, there's something going on that I want you to be aware of. I don't think today is any different. So the first thing, look at verse 1, because he talks about the, the, this prophecy, this prophetic prophecy here of those who are going to leave the church of, of apostasy, if you will. And he says in verse 1, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, and I just want to kind of clarify this for a minute. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. It's the Spirit of God who is meaning to speak to those who are in the church and to the pastors, not only of Timothy, but of today's day. And so uh, he wants to speak, and he has something very important to say. But this is not speaking, in my opinion, about the end times, but it's about What's going on? The latter times is, is, you know, you come to faith in Christ. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years now. When I first came to the Lord on to 30 years and then on from here, as long as the Lord would tarry or have me here, um, you know, we see these things happening. So the latter times are as you move on through life, as you go through life, as you walk through the, the this life that we as we know it. And he's saying that because this happens in every generation, that some will depart from, listen, the faith. The faith. And so you think about what Paul is trying to say here. He's, he's, trying to, he's been telling Timothy, raise up leaders. This is important. You don't have good leaders. You're not going to have a strong church. And so he's saying you raise up leaders. And then he says, you know, how you're able, you should conduct yourselves in the church. And with no chapter break, he moves here into, into chapter 4, and he speaks to them, warning them of people that are going to be moved into an apostate lifestyle. And you may ask, well, what's that? Well, apostasy means this. It means a falling away from the truth. That there's going to be a people that are falling away from the truth. The apostasy is, de is generally defined as the determined Willful rejection of Christ and his teachings, listen, by a Christian believer, by somebody who has had that faith in God, somebody who has trusted in the Lord. I think of Jesus when he was speaking in John, John recording it in the 15th chapter, he said in verse 22, he said, if I had not come and spoken to them, to the multitudes, to the people, to the religious leaders, to the politicians, everyone out there, um, they would have no sin. But now, because I have spoken to them, because I let them know, they have no excuse for their sin. And so the Lord is out there and he's saying, you know what, I've spoken the way of escape and I'm giving the way of escape. And even today, I'm giving the way of escape. And that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. That people would come to him and they understand that there is the faith, the one, the only faith that'll save you. The only faith that will forgive you of your sin. The only faith that will give you eternity in heaven. It's the faith and it's found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And so you have this the truth, the faith. But this is much different from an unbeliever, though, or, or somebody in error, because what they do is they, this is, you know, when, when somebody doesn't believe or they're, they're in error, that's a result of their ignorance. But concerning apostasy, let me give you a couple of examples. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, the writer says this, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so he's already saying that, you know what, you, you can't depart from something somewhere you've never been. You tell somebody, I'm leaving now, I'm leaving church, or I'm leaving the home, or I'm leaving the couch to use the restroom. You're leaving from where you're at to somewhere else. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus speaking to the disciples was giving an explanation of the parable of the seed and then that sower. And he says, the one that was found on stony ground, he said, but he who received the seed on stony ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has uh, no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So it's just so important for us to have the the foundation of our hearts is our responsibility. And if you're a non-believer today, and you, you're tuning in, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the condition of your heart is your responsibility. Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts, but he wants us to open it up and say, I let, let him in. But it, And then it's our hearts, even as believers, to make sure, well, what are we doing? What's the condition of the soil of our own hearts? What do we have in there? I mean, self-evaluation is taking uh, place all over the church, I believe, all over the world. But even in the churches, we sit at home, we're evaluating. I know many things like, hey, what's going on in my life? Where am I at? You know, what are these things? What is, what's in my life? I mean, we have so many things in our garage that we're not using anymore. <laughs> you know, you can't use them. I mean, fishing, you can't even fish in this state. Your boats are silent. Everything is just kind of on, on void right now. But we maybe are analyzing, what is it that's in my life? What are these things that crowd out Jesus? And are they more important than having a relationship with him? And, and let me say this too. This is not a warning to the apostate, to those who have walked away, though it can be. This is not what he's talking about because he's writing to those in the church. He's writing to those who would be gathered hearing uh, the, the letter being read. But it is also... Because of the, the world that we live in, it also can be taken as when, when the, the apostate hears that, the people that have walked away from God, they, they can understand, well, you know what? He's got a plan. He wants me to come back to him because there's a warning out there. And the warning here, though, primarily is for those who are still in the church who are saying, you know what? Um, you know, I need to listen to this because this is a prophecy that I don't want coming true in my life. I don't want to be one of those in the number that says, you know, hey, uh, I used to walk with God, but I didn't find it of any importance. And any excuse that we might use in there is kind of nil and void. It's not going to measure up in the courts of heaven. You know, it's like Jesus is saying, here, I'm here. Now we're all isolated. We're at home. We're, we're relaxing. We're hearing the word. What, what has God been speaking to our hearts for the past two weeks? What is it that he wants us to have? We're not sitting in fear. Maybe some are. Um, you know, they're a little fear. They're wondering what's going on. Just remember, this world is not our home. 
But, but the, the whole idea is that Jesus is still on the throne and, and he's still, he's warning them. I mean, what an opportunity. Listen, but many in the church or maybe church leaders are talking about this can go either way. They say, you know, when they think, um, well, people are going to walk away. They're going to be so, you know, uh, well, they're not going to, I've been out of church, you know, absent from the mind kind of thing is just going to be one of these things to where they'll just float around. And when people get back, they'll go back to that lifestyle. I fear that for some. They'll go back to the lifestyle. Oh, I haven't used my trailer or my boat or my this or my that or my, you know, and we got to f- fulfill life. That's not life. So there's that fear of that. But then there's also this excitement that somehow that the church is going to be filled. And I pray that to be the case. But that we would be filled, eager to hear these warnings, eager to hear everything that God is speaking to our hearts about. That we'd be eager to say, Lord, you know what? I don't just want to listen. I don't want to just hear, but I want to respond. It's like, you know, when times in the marriage, um, we have a tendency to maybe cross paths the wrong way when we're not listening to one another. And you can, you know, you understand that you say, well, I asked you to do this. Oh, I heard you, but I didn't really, you didn't respond. And when the Lord is coming here and the Holy Spirit is speaking, he's saying, you know what? Um, he's expressly saying in these last days, or in, in the latter times, excuse me, that in the latter times that some are going to depart from the faith, it's a warning out there. It's a warning out there. And he's saying, you know what? You don't have to. He doesn't want you to. But the, the fact of the matter is that it's going to take place. And I don't want to sit around and not listen to the warnings. So, Lord, guard me. Guard my heart. What do I need to do? What's in my life? What's in the inventory list, you know? What am I doing? Am I drawing close to the Lord? Am I using this time to draw close to the Lord? Like I said, there's nothing to really do but to draw close to the Lord. I mean, yes, we can get out and we can do things and we're not isolated and we got locks on our doors, but but this time away has been kind of a shaking, if you will. Kind of a shaking, if you will. It's just shaking me. It's gotten me to look at things in a different light or in a, maybe a better perspective. But, you know, fellowship may fall in this category for some. To where they, they've looked at it, they haven't been taking it serious, and they like, you know, when the Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren, what's the suggestion? Or your spouse or your children. Now you're finding out that there they are. Whoo, there they are. <laughs> Sit down, kid. <laughs> there they are. How are you reacting to these things? And how are you, how's your heart towards them? Are you finding the love that you need to have for one another? You see, this isn't anything new that Paul was going to tell Timothy. This has been around for a long time. Some are going to depart from the faith, he said, but it's been around since the garden. That, that little twisted scripture, Little, you know, taking the, the, the scripture and twisting it. It's always been Satan's desire that if he can get the church to listen to something that is not authentically from these pages, that if he can get people to listen to something that is not by the Holy Spirit, as something that might just make their emotions go on a high level, you know, or get them to like this or like that. See, that's what we're into. We're into pleasing ourselves a lot of time. We've got to be cautioned in that. So Satan has this thing to where he wants to pull an end around. He wants to get Christians in any way he can to depart from the faith, depart from what God would have for them, and and depart from listening right now. Well, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. You know, depart from hearing what God has for you. And sometimes I think that we as a church, we forget that though the the war is won, 
We're in completion. We'll be done. We'll be in heaven. But there's still battles that are going on. And I wonder if we exchange the things that are needed for the spiritual battles in life for, you know, the pleasures of life. I wonder if we're ready to get back to life as it was. My prayer is that we never go back to life the way it was unless the Lord is content with that, unless he's looking down on us. But life the way it is in a sense to where I'm not saying we're all bad, but what I'm saying is, do we have that? Am I hearing? Am I? Is Christ the priority? It's a great time to see that, right? Is he the priority? Is he? Does he have preeminence? And so and listen, because Paul telling Timothy, the Holy Spirit has something to say. The Holy Spirit has something that he wants to say to the church, and he expects us to be listening. Look, at the devil has a five-year plan. You've heard of it, 10-year plan. Or he has that plan just when you least expect it to come into, you know, mess up your life. And, and, and coming in to saying, well, that's not enough. You can have this more. You know, it's always, and wait, there's more. It's the infomercial. And then there's more. Listen, verse 1 again says, the Spirit expressly says, you know what that means? That means, expressly means he's outspoken. He's not going to mince words around this. He, you know, he knows that it's a desire of the devil to get each of us to, <clears throat> uh, to, to um, leave the faith. To be bringing in so crowded in our lives stuff that the faith isn't what we're after anymore. Faith in Christ, walking with God. So what he, here, here he says, he says, the Spirit of the Lord, that he knows and he has something to say. Even today, so this, this warning has gone out for 2,000 years. And, and he's still warning people that, hey, you're going to depart. Watch out. The Spirit says that some will depart from the faith because, and he'll, we'll get into that, there's other things out there. There's other things that they're listening to, other things that they're taking in, other things that they're entertaining. It's just like the Israelites, when they came out of the, the land of Egypt and they came into the promised land, that there were, there were other things out there, other things, things that they were warned against and they didn't take heed to the warning. And then look at where it got them. See, when the Spirit of God speaks, we the church have got to listen. We've got to listen. To every church that John wrote in the book of Revelation, as the Holy Spirit inspired him, he said this, he who has an ear, and you have two of them, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what has he been speaking to our hearts about? In the latter days, I mean, you've got, you got to be tired of the news, so if you're at home, you're watching the news, you're tired of the internet, you got to be tired of all this, the, like I said, the Facebook, and all this stuff is like, oh, is there anything? Well, the Word of God is still speaking. He's still wanting to speak to our hearts, so we got to be tuned into that. And so Paul here, again, is reminding Timothy that he's placing this warning out to the church, and he says some are going to depart. And we've seen that, haven't you? I'm sure each of us have seen that. Maybe you're watching, and you're one of those who have walked away. You're not, you haven't been attending church for a long time. Church is very important. The Word of God is very important. Prayer is very important. Fellowship is very important. But, you know, you just haven't saw the need for it. Maybe you've been hurt in the church. And, that, you know, if you haven't been hurt in the church, then you haven't been to church. <laughs> but you have to understand that, listen, just because these things go on and these, these things are out there, Paul says that there's, gonna, there's a warning out there that some are going to depart from the faith. And whatever it is, we need, we need to realize that that was the devil's work of getting you to leave. He was the devil's work of getting you to exit out of the doors and whatever it might be. And God wants you back. And so he has you tuning in and say, hey, come, come back. 
come back, come back to him. But again, we've all witnessed that. People have been on fire for the Lord. They've served in ministries. They've held Bible studies. They've led worship. They've done all of these things. And now they're back to the brown bag with the bottle in it. Or, you know, they've got the drugs. Once they've been freed from, now they're back smoking a little dope. And they say, ah, these things are important. It's all right. It's legal now. Hey, but look where it's gotten you. You see, the devil will allow things to come into play. He'll use the government or whatever it might be. to be, Well, it's legal. No, it's legal. Well, abortion's legal. Listen, we're killing 650,000 babies a year on the average. And that's just because the majority is there doesn't mean that that's right to do. Or, the, the, you know, a lot of the people think, well, that's what has to take place. And, and let me say this, too, that when it comes to the falling away, when you see people falling away from the faith, the faith, falling away from Jesus, we have to be cautious. I want to throw this caution out to you. Because sometimes we get too theological in this. We get to theologically thinking, and we think, oh, oh, that person was never saved. Oh, that person can't lose their salvation. Oh, yes, they can. Just look, and all this stuff. And we get too theological in this stuff instead of having the heart of God. There's a warning out there. If it wasn't true that there was people that can walk away from the faith, then why is the warning not here? See, we fail to display the heart of God. we got to look at this. And I, I think two things, just looking at this briefly, if it wasn't possible for a believer to move into a state of apostasy, then why would we warn them? And yes, again, it could be that maybe the warning is there. There's people in the church that aren't saved and they need to hear this. Am I an apostate or am I not even walking away? Well, you're a non-believer, but you need to come to Jesus. The other thing is, you know, to walk with God or to walk in this world without God is scary. I wouldn't want to have any part of that. And so if you moved into that apostate lifestyle, come back to Jesus today. If you're not born again, come to him today. Come to him today. So we, I think of reminded as John the Baptist was baptizing many. And he came to the religious leaders and he told them, he said, you know what, uh, the problem with your life is there's no fruit worthy of repentance. They were going to come to, they were coming to be baptized and John stopped them in their tracks and he said to them, he said to them, bro to vipers. I mean, here they are being baptized. You might think, well, they're being baptized. And John says, you brood of vipers. What are you doing here? But, but he knew that. That, that, that. He said, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. You know, he knew that. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were going to do is try to claim their redemption because of their history. Oh, I've been going to church. Right? You know, oh, but, you know uh, Mo Moses was our father. You know, and and I, I'm a tribe, one of the 12 tribes. So just like people going to church today. You know, at one time, they've had this experience of coming to God. They've had this experience of coming down, praying a prayer. But, continue, but, but the problem is they're, they're continuing to live their lives without change. There's no power there. They're, they're, again, verse 8 of Luke chapter 3 would say that there's, therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. You know, there's this thing to where many have made their way, again, down the aisle. They've said a prayer and all of this stuff, but their lives have never changed. There's never been born, born this fruit that's worthy of repentance. Listen, repentance is a great thing. But then to walk through that, now when, when God forgives me, when he forgives us of our sin, I want to walk in that. I want to walk in that power. I want to walk in that forgiveness and walk in that grace. Let me explain. Though we can't better our our status by works. Ooh, let, let me show you what I'm doing for God. That's not the thing that we're trying to get out of this. 
But understand what Jesus said. Those who believe in me must continue abiding in him. There's this continuation that we have. There's this thing to where we have to understand that, listen, God is, you know, he's calling us to himself and then we're to walk with him. It's like dropping everything off. I can't walk with the Lord with everything that I used to have in my life and I got to, you know, look at look at the valuation. How does that value my walk with God? And, you know, if it stumbles me, if it makes it harder, maybe I need to let go of it. But Jesus doesn't desire us to have, he doesn't desire to just have a portion of our life. He wants to have all of our life. He wants to just, would you just let go? And, and, and what we've given to him, that he will keep. Jude tells us this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's the Lord. So a lot of times we, we don't come to the Lord because we're stumbling over our own things, our own way of life. But he says to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. And so here you have it at the days where Timothy is um, pastoring the church at Ephesus. Remember, they were warned by Paul that people would creep into the church, but not only that, they had this man that was raised up by the name of Caesar Nero, and Nero was a guy who would light Christians on fire. The persecution was out there. He would sing these mocking songs, you're light of the world, be light of the world. And he would murder Christians by the hundreds, but then something happened. When the persecution came, something happened, and the church grew. And every, whenever the church is persecuted, it grows. Now, we've never experienced this persecution. This virus isn't a persecution. It's affecting the whole world. Saved, unsaved. It has no gender uh, reference. It has no, you know, saved, unsaved reference about it. It's just out there, and it is, it's caused us to rethink things, at least as, you know, how I want to walk through life and what's going on. And this world, wow. The, I mean, the people in the world, the unsaved population, they, well, what's going on here? I have no hope. And this is a time for the church to say, I have the faith. Do you want some? It comes through Jesus Christ. We can be standing strong, standing tall on Jesus Christ. But then again, uh, Paul, Paul, uh, writing to Timothy, he warned him of these things that were taking place. He warned him that Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy anyone who stands between he and the Lord. That's going to be strong. He, he, Paul wrote to this and or was speaking this to the Ephesian elders when he gathered them together. And he told them that there's going to be some among you who would, uh, they're going to come in. They're not sparing the flock. They're going to come in. They're going to withdraw, uh, you know, draw away people from the, uh, after themselves. And this is what we're seeing taking place in Ephesus, but this is what you see take place all over, even in the world today, in the church today. People, you have these Absaloms that come in and they want to just, you know, hijack what's, what the Lord is doing. And they get people to look after what they're doing and, and seeing what's happening. It's just, it's amazing. But Paul wrote to Timothy and he warns them of these things that were taking place that he had warned them about earlier and that people, th these were taking place. These guys were bringing in bogus doctrine. Oh, how we see that today. Bogus doctrine. Every, every one of our baloney meters ought to be going ding, 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 ding. And he's writing to this young pastor, not only how he's to conduct himself in the church, but, but to keep that doctrine pure, chapter 1. And, and, you know, we can ask ourselves, hasn't weird doctrine been brought into the church today? Matthew, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 12. He says, because and because of iniquity, that's wickedness, 
shall abound. The love of many will wax cold. You see, the, the doctrine that men need to hear is that Jesus Christ died for them. We need to stick true to the word of God. Because Jesus shall set you free and you shall be free indeed. He's the answer. But any other thing that comes up, look at this or look at that, where the emphasis is not Christ. Paul said in, in Corinthians in the second chapter, he said, you know what, I've determined not to tell, uh, tell you anything. I mean, you get a lot of philosophers coming up. You know, a lot of people coming up, you know, saying this or saying that. And he says, you know, I've determined to, to share nothing with you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's a power. It's a message. It's not about how cool I can make the message be, but it's about the message. It's about Christ. It's about he's the one that loved you enough that he died for you. And we're just the, the vessels that should be coming through with that message. And anybody that's trying to distort that message, you've got to be cautioned against. So the second thing to point out is who are they listening to? See, they may have had the Bibles open. They may have had this time of saying, ah, did you hear that? That was good. But, listen, who are they listening to? Look at verse 1 again. It says, now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. So just as Paul said of the things that come in Ephesus when he warned them, after his departure, Satan comes in, and he comes into this place not able to beat the church, so he joins the church, and he brings people in, and these people are bringing this false doctrine, and Paul's referring to it as demonic. So, you know, that's, that, that takes discernment, because when, the, when Satan was in the garden, it sounded right. Well, a little twisting, but it was like, oh, maybe that was what he meant. And then this is what happens today. That people want to sugarcoat it, not just the pastors that come and these false teachers, but the people in the audience want to sugarcoat it and say, yeah, but did you hear the worship? The worship was outstanding. Oh my goodness, the worship was good. And they're just jumping up and down for worship, but yet they don't, they're, they're being fed baloney. Tainted baloney. It's like having spaghetti out there with worms in it. He's saying, well, would you pick yourself? Well, let me pick through this stuff and get the spaghetti out. Or would you excuse yourself from the table? I would excuse myself, right? I'm out of here. I don't like a lot of foreign foods, especially worms and spaghetti. And I don't like false doctrine. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and think, well, let me just put a little more hot sauce on it. It'll kill the worm taste. But people do that. We just kind of dress it up a little bit. Oh, but it's good. Okay, it's got to come straight out of Scripture. They're listening to these things. They're giving heed to deceiving spirits. Listen, if it's not the Spirit of God, if it's not the Word of God, then I don't want it. And you shouldn't want it. Because sooner or later, we're going we're gonna to find ourselves drifting out, not only from where we were, but drifting back home, drifting out, doing things that, uh, you know, maybe the Lord surely wouldn't have us do. And so this false doctrine, they're, they're penned by deceiving spirits and they're instigated by Satan himself. And it's called hypocrisy. And sadly, there are those, you know, they come together and they'll complain about things within the church. They'll say, well, this church, that, you know, I don't like the color of the carpet or, man, we don't have enough potlucks. Then they're concerned with the content of the message coming from the pulpit. And again, this is the warning. Well, well that guy's you know, suave or debonair or he's GQ or whatever you might want to call him. He's charismatic and he just, whoa, the way he can talk, that's the way a salesman does it. 
salesmen sell things because they can talk. And I'm not coming against salesmen, it's just their gift. But also, false teachers and charlatans are much of the same way. See, they're selling something. We don't need to sell anything. We need to let the world know that Jesus Christ loves them. We need to let the world know that he died for them. We're not selling anything. They're letting them know that there's a Savior that loves them and cares for them. You see, there are a lot of things that have changed over the course of years in the church. We like the nice buildings. We like the streaming lights, fog machines, or whatever the case, you know. But now we have to reanalyze. What, what is that worth? Where is that going? Do you need a fog machine to make smoke in the house? Maybe put on a pot of beans and forget about it. (laughs) See how that works for you. But listen, all these messages are written by Satan, and they're meant to lead people astray. That's Satan's desire. He wants to lead people astray. And so you you think about speaking these lies of deception. Listen, massive crowds will gather around, and the majority doesn't mean that that's the Lord. I mean, you, you, you get these big crowds and things are happening, booming on stage, all this, and people are, woo! And all the energy's up there, you know? I was thinking as we were worshiping and nobody's in the audience, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, Lord, the energy has changed, but your spirit is still the same. The energy, you know, with people, their lives, being here, hugging, loving, smiling, seeing your faces, but the Spirit of God is still the same. And so we've got to be cautioned. And here, this, uh, you know, we think that the, when the, where the majority is, that that's God, that that's been approved, that that's happening. You see, many might be enamored with the excitement of the people that they're, you know, they're attending church with the newest fads or they're doing these things about bringing excitement. But just because the majority is in tune and that they're approving of things going on, we have to ask the Lord, is the Lord in it? Because here's the thing, the majority wasn't listening to Noah as the warnings were going out. They weren't listening. And only a few people were saved. The majority was going about their business in Sodom and Gomorrah. When the angels came and got a hold of Lot, only a few were were there. And a few were pulled out. Why? Because everybody else was about their business. Our approval doesn't mean that God's in it. And so the the warning is there that you have these people out there and these things that that they're, they're coming alongside with kind of a same message. They got the app. They have the, 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 the things that are out there. But we need, to be, we need to be consulting the Lord. What is the Lord saying in all this? Now think of Joshua. When Joshua just come down from uh, victory, they're going into the, into the promised land. But then they, the Gibeon, Gibeonites had heard that they were uh, coming against, you know, uh, wow, the Israelites are really on fire. And all of a sudden, this powerful work by the Lord They decided to get crafty, and they decided to make a treaty with Joshua. And the problem was this. In Joshua chapter 9, verse 14, it says, Then the men of Israel took of their provision, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Look at the majority of the people who want to do this. Remember the ten spies that wanted to come into, or didn't want to come into the land? Two did. The majority ruined it for the minority. There's nothing wrong with just sticking close to the word and sticking true to the word. And then he says of this in verse 2, look at what Paul says. He says, their their own conscience is sheared with a hot iron. It means that they're unashamed to stand up. 
and to tell you that they would sell a blind man reading glasses and not be ashamed. It's sad. And today some pastors, they might be able to win this or at least be nominated for this Academy Award because they simply will stand up in front of people and they'll get them with a bold-faced lie to their congregations for their own gain or for their own popularity. Let me ask you this question. What's, God, what's wrong with God's Word? The simple teaching of it. Do we need more? Is there something more than what we need? Look, it tells us of a salvation that is given through Christ. And it keeps us walking through the day of justification, through every point of sanctification. The Word of God does. Keeps our eyes fixed upon Him. During this time when we're, you know, some are at home, or we're at home, many of us. And when we're wondering, well, what's going on? How, what's going on in the world? We can understand what God still speaks. He still has the final say. The world doesn't have that. And we walk through this time of sanctification, if you will. We walk through this time of looking into God's word and saying, what do you have for us? His word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So there's nothing wrong with his word. But a lot of times people, the churches have in the past, and we've seen this, we see it a little bit today, where they replace the, the Bible with books or movies. It's no longer the, the series we have. I, 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 I got kind of this chuckle when we first were, were making our posters out there, and they said a series, and I go, what does that mean? You know, everybody's teaching a series. This series on, oh, it's this series through First Timothy. Oh, I like that. But a lot of times it's a series on how to be a better man or, you know, I don't know where we dream up with these things or where they, but, but it's just this thing, look it. They have this, their conscience is seared. They're not feeling anything. And, and it's not the church, if the word of God has become boring or it's become not relevant and it's considered old school, it's not the word of God is dull, it's that we become dull of hearing. And then the, the third thing, it's what they were listening to. Look at verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God had uh, created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. You know, you notice what it says is, listen, those who know the truth, you and I who know the truth, you know, the, the false teachers never go out there and they start this false church. They always pray off the truth. They pray off the truth. And here's, here's the issue here. These false teachers are always bent on abstaining, getting you to abstain from things or commanding you to do things. In other words, they want to have the authority over your life. They want to have this Lord overing process. You know, they want to tell you, you know, don't eat this or don't eat that. Or go here, go here, check with me before you purchase anything or whatever the case may be. Listen, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit and praying over the once banned lobster tails and bowl of shrimp gumbo, now we can pray for these things and be ever so thankful for them. We don't have to be worried, what can I do, what can I, what can I not do, what can I eat, what can I not eat. Remember Peter seeing the sheets from heaven, they would come down, Peter was told to kill and eat, and Peter in his religious way said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has entered into my mouth. But the voice, the voice answered him again and said, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Modern day vernacular, Peter, is give thanks and eat. And so others are wanting to 
you to abstain, and they're commanding things. And he's saying, you know what? That's not what it's all about. It's about following Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit and understanding as we gather together in the church, we're, con we're, uh, we're uh, bringing forth the Word of God, and we're just confirming the things that you're already reading at home, that you're already going through, that you're already listening to, and what God wants us to feed and tend his sheep with. And then let's close with this. The fourth thing is what they needed to do. What, Timothy, did you need to do? In order to stay strong, in order to stay away from the lie and the hypocr uh, hypocritical teachings, he says, listen here, if you instruct yourselves. Timothy, if you instruct, this means to bring to remembrance the things that were taught to you, and if you're doing them in your own life, then you teach them to others, you instruct others. He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know that one day I'm going to have to answer to the Lord. And I ask the Lord daily, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be, not what I want to be. Help me, Lord, to understand what you want to speak to the people about and what I want to speak to them about. And here, as he says, that you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have careful following, uh, which you have carefully followed. So Paul instructs Timothy that both the church along with himself needed to be nourished in the Word. That's what we've got to have. We've got to have the Word of God. In, in, in any way, just give me the Word of God. Not in any way, but in the way of giving me the Word of God, just break it down for me. See, it's not my responsibility to change your lives or my life, or it's my responsibility to change my life. It's my responsibility to change your life. But it's my responsibility to give you the things necessary. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, see, that's what you need. That's what you need. You need to have change in your life. You need, we need to change from certain things that we're doing. So he instructs them. You know, He instructs them. It's not our plans. It's the Lord. The Lord knows what we need. But how could we stay on track during this virus if we didn't have his word? How, can we, how could we stay at peace if we didn't have his word? How can we stay just understanding, have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? Because none of us really understand what's going on. Uh, but we have his word. We still know that Jesus is speaking. And of those who have been commanding, uh, just, just to share this, they go out with all these false doctrines and all this stuff. They've been commanding this or commanding that. Well, they're not commanding the Lord, or they're not commanding this virus to go. Well, some of them have, but still around. And I'm not saying that God is weak in this. God can heal it. I think that I think that God has a plan that he's doing in this. But but we're to we're to understand that I think it's producing this heart check for us. That we can just get in his word. We're we're all been sent to our rooms. I don't think it's an accident. I don't think that, you know, yes, it's a virus that's going on. But for the church, you know, we can use this as a great time to be instructed by the word of God to be nourished by the Word of God, and to have what we need from God's Word. Listen, the, the, so the first thing is that we're to, be, we're, we're to be instructed by the Word, and then the second thing is we're to be nourished in the Word. Without good doctrine, it's hard to have solid faith. And maybe you're finding that hard, you know, your, your faith, your, how do I trust in the Lord? Well, you know, find out what you've been listening to. 
It's, it's, it's the Lord who's still there. He, you know, I, I appreciate the songs that we were singing this morning that he and Mike encouraging us as he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. He's still there. So without good doctrine, it's hard to have solid faith. And I want to see it from the word and I want to look to the word of God. And my heart is to, is to, um, is my heart itself is motivated in to trust the Lord during these difficult times. You know, I'm just, just, I'm trusting the Lord and I'm all right with that. Warren Worsby said this, he uses this illustration. He says, God's people need to be warned about false doctrine and religious apostasy. A minister must not major on these subjects because he is obligated to teach, quote, all the counsel of God, end quote. But neither should we ignore them. As we travel in the streets and the highways, we see two kinds of signs. Those that tell us that we're going, uh, where we're going, that's like Boston, 45 miles. And those that warn us of possible dangers, bridge out. A pastor must teach positive doctrine so that the people will know what they believe and where they're going. But he must also expose false doctrine so that people will not be seduced and led astray. I think it's so true. Stick to the code. But has, here's the thing. We're going to continue whether we're live social media or we're gathered here, we're going to continue. I think the thing for us to do is while we're at home and while we're taking this in and continue our studies through Timothy, is where are our hearts in this? Have our hearts changed, become dull? Maybe not to hearing, but to responding. To responding to what God has for us. You see, that's the thing. I mean, you know, many people say, well, I'm not getting it here. I get it here. I've heard that, but I'm not getting it here. Well, start doing the things that you've heard. Start doing them. And God doesn't take lightly how we represent him. We need to strive to give the whole counsel of God's word. And he's given his word to us in order that we might know him. I, want to, I would rather have people come to be in love with the Lord and come loving uh, to come to church and be a part of church, then I would have them come b to be in love with church. You know, it has to be that they're, I want them to be in love with the Lord and loving that we get to come to church. So the unsaved world, a couple of things. The unsaved world may only come in contact with you and I. They're looking at us now. And what a great example that we have. And we can tell them that, you know what, I've been instructed and I've been nourished and I'm standing strong. And if we fall into the trap set by Satan, what are we showing them? What are we showing the world? You see, we're to stay strong and be encouraged. Joshua was told this in Joshua 1.9. He says, have I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That'd be a word for somebody right there. Understand that. Understand that. And that we would, be we would be encouraged to take on the full counsel, just desiring to be more loved with God. So let's bow and pray as the worship team comes up and leads us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the... We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. 
While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.